BMG Partners and 1494 2AY presents The Journey Podcast. The stories you're about to hear are true. They shine a light on the events and incidents, known and unknown, that have shaped the lives of the Albury-Wodonga region's most intriguing personalities, local legends and unsung heroes. So sit back and enjoy. Settle in for another edition of The Journey, this time around with Tom O'Toole, not just a locally famous, nationally famous, but also internationally famous baker from the Beechworth Bakery, and we started his journey at his ties to the township of Beechworth. Well, I've lived in Beechworth this time 33 years, but I'm originally from Tokemore. I did start my apprenticeship in Toke, and that bakery closed down, and then I went to Shepherd and for a bit of my apprenticeship, uh, then I went from Shepherd and to Beechworth, the bakery that's long gone, Baker Boy, that was just down the road. I, uh, yeah, turned 16 when I was there at Baker Boy. So I was there for 12 months with Baker Boy, long gone. They had a big factory here in Beechworth. And, um, and then I went to Albury, I went to Wagga in my apprenticeship. This is my apprenticeship. Uh, went many times, and I went to Wangaratta, West End Bakery. I was in... Uh, uh, Cobran at my apprenticeship, uh, another bakery. I went to many bakeries in my apprenticeship because every time at time I had to go to school to William Anglis, I had to change jobs because if they got me to school, they would have realised how dumb I was and I would have failed because I have a learning difficulty. And I ended up finishing my apprenticeship in Albury at, at a bakery that is long, long gone, a big factory. There you go. Yeah. And I got my certificate when I was in Manangrita in Armourland, I turned 21 in Armourland, and, and on my certificate, Master Baker, you know, and it's Tom Toole, because I changed my name when I was 20. When I was up there, I changed my name. Well, I was sitting there with a the lawyer, and I said, I must have changed my name. He said, $23. I said, change it. It was the best $23 I ever spent. So what brought the name change on? Why did you, why did you do that? Because I was sick of being called Dickhead and Shovel and, 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 you know, people say, what's your name? I say, Tom Toole. They say, what's your name? I said, Tom Toole. Yeah, but Tom O'Toole, they can understand. Tom Toole, they didn't know who I was. O'Toole means the son of Toole. And I was the son of Toole. My father was born in Ireland. He was from Ireland. I was born in Australia. But O'Toole means the son of Toole. My brothers, they're still tools. My brothers, but yes. Yeah, so, yeah. A good one. Yeah. So this time I was here uh, when I was 16, 17 in Beechworth. I, I first come to Beechworth when I was 12 with my brother-in-law. We are looking for gold. Now I'd come from Tokemall, dead flat. My parents never had a car, so I never travelled. I've been to Naranda on the steam train that once a year they'd have a steam picnic there, but don't worry about that. But anyway, and I come to the hills and I just fell in love with the hills when I was 12 and, and gold in them hills, you know. And, you know, and then years later I seen a write-up, the only working gold mine in Beechworth is the bakery, you know. And it's funny, I come up here at 12 years of age looking for gold with my brother-in-law and just fell in love with the place. And then I come back when I was 16 and worked in Baker Boy, uh, Higgins's Bakery, Baker Boy, uh, down the road. And then I come back, I went into my first business after Armandland. I turned 21 up there, went into my first business when I was 21 in Yarrawonga. My first business was in Yarrawonga. So I've been in business 44 years. I, I, I had two businesses going, I had Yarrawonga and, and I come and bought, this was this Beechworth Bakery. Now this is, a lot of people don't realise this, I owned it before and it was called the Ideal Cafe. 
and I changed it uh, to... Uh, but anyway, and I was here for three and a half years. I used to live here in this room. This is my bedroom. I'm sitting in the bedroom. And, uh, and I lived in overstep, but lived in both of these upstairs, in both upstairs in the bakery. I lived in both of them over the years. I, I bought this place first up when I was about 22. I don't know the mathematics of whatever age or what years, yeah. but, uh, uh, but I've been back here now nearly, nearly 34 years. And how do you think other people would describe you, Tom? How do they describe me? Oh, a bit erratic, I suppose, um, chaotic. I uh, think there's, uh, I've got something missing, but uh, some people think that I've got it all. But uh, some people see, they see me as a very successful businessman. Now, I never seen, I, I, I've never learnt the alphabet. I'm as thick, I don't even know how to use a calculator. Yeah. I, I, I'm as thick as a brick. And they see me as this big time businessman. And my secret is I have all these good people that make me look good. Uh, that's their job, to make me look good. <laughs> so I don't know, I, I'm a very, I'm a bit of an isolator. People see me as out there, I'm out there, but I'm not, I'm an isolator. I live four kilometres out of town. I, my, you know, my wife reckons I'm just antisocial, but I reckon and a bit of an isolator. But yeah, I, I don't know, how do I see myself? I don't know, grey-haired old man, I suppose, yes. <laughs> and so you fumbled your way uh, through your apprenticeship and yes. through the school side of things, as you said, learning yes. difficulty. Qualified baker, been doing the bakery thing for a long time. What do you like in the kitchen at home? Oh, not allowed in the kitchen at home. Not allowed. Uh, it's funny, we had this big TV station come to do a bit of an interview at home and they wanted me in the kitchen. Well, everyone, my kids and my wife cracked up laughing. They, he wouldn't know where, he doesn't even know how to open the dishwasher, they reckon. But uh, um, I don't cook at home. I don't cook at home. My wife's an incredible cook. Can't have two bosses in the kitchen, but I'm a lazy bugger. So I'm good baker. I'm good baker, but uh, we have a big pizza oven and that at home. I'm a, I cook the pizzas, and but I'm not a baker. I'm, I'm not a baker at home. No. And I was a single parent for a couple of years, and uh, and, and my kids they, they were so happy when I got remarried. I can tell you. But anyway, <laughs> that was a long time, 31 uh, years ago. What do you do with your spare time? Any that you have, Tom? I, hobbies or yeah, well not hobbies I've never played sport people say Tom you never I said no I hated losing but we were brought up in poverty I was brought up in a tent we never had football boots we never had sports clothes so at sports days I'd go into detention because we never ever had the gear so I never ever played any sport and and I have no coordination they'd throw the ball hit me straight in there no fun and they waste all this energy chasing this little oh didn't interest me I much rather I always work when I was young but I every day today I walk in the bush at least for about an hour I have to do 15,000 I like to I don't I have a goal to do 15,000 steps every day so every day for many many years I walk for every day in the bush or if I'm not in the bush if I'm in Sydney or wherever I am I, I get lost oh no I, get, I do get lost because I don't know how to, I have no sense but I do get lost but uh, but uh, not in the bush I don't yeah. but uh, I, I can walk straight lines in the city but I so I walk every day and I have a property on the Murray River I live on 20 acres I have a big garden but I also have a gardener doing it for me they said you have a bloody gardener but anyway that's okay I travel a lot I travel 
uh, immensely, you know, like uh, this year. We, we have an off-road caravan, so I've, I've been out in the outback for out in Thargaminda, out in bloody Birdsville. I've been out all over the place this year. And, and, and also I've been in Rosebud and, and Warwick, I've, I've been in Warren, I've been in Lightning Ridge. And, uh, and for this year I've been in um, uh, East Timor uh, for a week. I helped set up a bakery there. been over there seven times into East Timor, a charity bakery, going really well. Helped set one up in Uganda. That's still going well. God, that's a God job, that one. Never been back there. A lot of guns and that over Uganda. But East Timor is still going really well. This year um, uh, I've been overseas, uh, seven times overseas. So I travel a fair bit. And, you know, two weeks' time I'm off to, to the Galapagos, um, off to South America, Santiago and Chile, going down to Antarctica. Uh, so, so I travel a lot. Next year I've got trips to uh, Papua New Guinea. I've got trips to uh, South Africa, probably going to Germany to the bakery show. And, and I'm, next year I'm going to do the east-west. I'm, I'm doing a fundraising drive uh, with my 1930A model Ford. It's got no doors, no seatbelts, no sat-nav, but we're going to go from the most eastern part of Australia, which is Byron Bay, straight through the centre of Australia, right through to the most western point of Australia, which is Steep Point, out near Monkey Mire, out that way, straight through. In our A Model Ford, my mate Keith and I, he's been my mate since I was 16. I met him here when I was 16 to work at Baker Boy, and he's as silly as I am, and he's a, he's a retired psych nurse, he looks after me, and, and we're gonna go all the way through, and, and doing a fundraiser for, and an awareness for Ballarat Cancer Institute. It's the only, a cancer institute in regional Australia. It gets no government funded. It's not funded by any of the big uh, any of the big agencies. And it's uh, Allery, um, Fiona Allery Cancer Institute. And it is brilliant, brilliant place. And and we're doing that fundraiser. So that's going to take me a few weeks to get. Hopefully we get there. Yeah, well. Hopefully we get there. You never know. Plenty of parts, I'd imagine, still around for that vehicle. Uh, yeah, it's only 87 years old, <laughs> 87 years old, 1930, A model Ford, it's a beauty. But I've, I've done a few great trips in that, yeah. and uh, the idea is to get back home. I only, Marty just had it done up, my business partner, and, and I come up to the roundabout uh, on the weekend, and it stopped right on the road. Oh, God, there's cars behind me, but I got out and jiggled with the fuel, and got it around the corner, and oh, broke down again. But anyway, we've got it going, but... Uh, Oh, yeah, took her down to Rutherglen for the drive. And, hopefully yeah. we can get it to leave Beachworth. Oh, hopefully we can get it to leave, yes, <laughs> I hopefully we uh, can. Tom, what's the greatest piece of advice that you've ever been given yourself or you've heard or one that you impart on other people? Probably, you know, keep in touch with your dream. You know, we all have a dream of going into our careers or what to do with our life, and we get so busy in there doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, we forget what our dreams are. So keep in touch with your dream, but keep away from the dream takers. There are so many energy suckers, dream takers out there that will tell you that it can't be done. And often we marry to them, but I'm not, I'm not. I'm happily married today, one day at a time. But, you know, keep in touch with your dreams. And we don't. We often have this dream as a kid or as growing up and going into our careers. We forget what our values are and what we're all about. And that's for me personally, yeah. keep in touch with your dreams. What do you consider to be your biggest achievement so far in life? Creating the Beechworth Bakery has been incredible because we employ about 250 people. And all these people, they rely on me every week to pay them car payments, pay their mortgages, and 
probably one of the greatest things I've done is helping set up this bakery in East Timor. It's a really a feel good. Then these young people that are keen to learn, show them once they pick it up. They are, they have no doll over there, no Centrelink over there. These people are really grateful to have a job, and they're really keen to learn. And uh, so that's been uh, one of the greatest things I've achieved in 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 the industry sort of thing. But you know. Beachbrook Bay just blows me away what we have created. But we've got to stick with our values that, that we're there to serve the customer. That's what I'm in business for, to serve the customer. I'm a servant and I've got to remember that, that that's what I'm in business for, to serve the customer. We got, that's our values, that, that's what we're all about. That's, that's it, that never changes. That, that, nothing, that can't change, that can't change. So that, that's really important that we've stayed at that. People said, Tom, you can't keep this friendly, empowered environment as you grow, we can't, well we have so far, we have so far, we've kept this empowerment, we've kept this friendly environment, we've kept this culture going for now for 33 years, nearly 34 years. It's okay to get there, but to stay there is pretty incredible. So I think we've achieved lots of things. To be happily married one day at a time, you know. <laughs> Monday wasn't a good one, but anyway, 30, 31 years, 31 years uh, remarried, you know, if I carried, Added them both together, they'd be getting close to 40. Very successful, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the toughest decision you think you've probably had to make in the last six months? Toughest decision to, uh, to probably back my people into wanting to go into Yak and Dando. The bakery was for sale and it was closed and, and I thought, wow, you know, some of these people are not going to be that happy about us coming. They see us a big boy. We're a family-owned little business. We are local. We are regional. We, our, our kids go to school here. Our grandkids go to school in Wurridgee and in Beechworth. We are local and we're family-owned. And, and, you know, we've copped a lot of flack. Oh, you know, we're going in, you know, we're the big boy. We're not big boys, gee, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We do so much. So I had to back my people where I probably would have thought, oh, I can see better opportunities and go and if you want to if you want to stretch you know we could do better than you know we could go but anyway they are committed they said Tom we have a lot of our staff from down that way we've got a lot of people who really want us to go into yak so I had to back them and that that's a hard decision because at my age I don't want to go into debt I don't <laughs> want to go into debt jeez you know because there's no certainties in business it could all fall over tomorrow. I could be bloody broke tomorrow. I could be back in the bakehouse working my guts out at two o'clock in the morning. I'm past it. Got you to where you are now. Uh, what's the worst thing that you think you've ever had happen to you in life? Uh, my no first wife leaving me. First wife leaving me. You know, I thought it was the end of the world. You know, I was suicidal and homicidal, but uh, she left the country. Me, it left me with two little kids and. Uh, I had the arse out of my brains wanting to die. And that was the hardest, you know, I thought, what if I'd work my guts out. I'd work my guts out, but, I, you know, work was everything for me. And today to get balance. In the early days, I think in business, you know, balance is bullshit. You can't get balance. It's, it's not, uh, yeah, because you've got to put in. But I probably put in too much. And uh, I was brought up in poverty, hated living in poverty, wanted to get ahead. And uh, she, you know, and when my wife left, I fell madly in love with her. When she was there, I blamed her for everything. But anyway, we often do that with our staff sometimes. But that was the hardest thing, 
that's probably the hardest thing that's ever happened to me. But people have had harder things. They've lost kids, they've lost, you know, like I lost my wife and uh, my first wife. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got a newer model. It's, yeah, it's terrific. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question because I say, you know, a lot of people say you shouldn't have regrets in life, but, but do you regret oh, the, the effort you put into your career over that No, it was a marriage? success. We had seven years of happy times. We were pretty happy right up until the day she pissed off. So you know what I mean? We had a lot of fun. So uh, no, I don't regret it. You know, we had way more good times than bad times. You know, uh, we did very well. Both of us, uh, Carol had come from a very low socioeconomic uh, and uh, you know, I'd come from my, my mum, dad, the five kids. We lived in a tent together when I was young. We, we had dirt floors, we had lino over the floor. We had no electricity when I was a kid. You know, we had no bathroom. So we were both calm and we did very well in business. I've been in business since I was 21, and I did very well. I, you know, I'm as sick as a brick, but I, I, can, I can make a dollar. Anyway, and we both probably were out of our comfort zone a bit. We, we did very well, and, and she went off. And, uh, but Carol's been married now four times, and um, uh, hopefully she's found what she was looking for. She <laughs> didn't find it in me. But uh, look, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, my wife leaving me, because it made me look at me. I had to have a good look at me. And I'm really good at taking everyone else's inventory. It's very hard for me to have a look at myself. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but uh, look, it's been the best thing. A couple of years later, got remarried, and like I said, married now for 30 And Christine, without Christine, I wouldn't have have the peace and that. I used to have a football affair in my guts every day and a can of worms up here. Oh God, talk about kangaroos in the back paddock. And today I have none of that today. You know, I'm in love with life and raring to go. So if you could be anywhere in the world tomorrow, and you've mentioned yes. previously, you've, you travel a lot, you travel regularly, yeah. you've got more planned. If you could be anywhere in the world tomorrow, no restrictions, yeah. where would you be? In Beechworth. In Beechworth. In northeast Victoria, I think Look, I love Western Australia, I have property in Western Australia. My two daughters were born in, in Augusta, in Cape Lewin at Western Australia. Wonderful. Love. If I was going to live anywhere else in, in Australia, it would be in Western Australia. Uh, I'll be buried in Beechworth. Not for a long time, I hope, but uh, <laughs> I, I won't. Yeah, no, uh, that's where I would be. Yes. So, five years' time from now, we sit back down, we have a similar conversation. What will you be doing then? What will be happening with you then? hope I'm doing more of the same, supporting my people, um, uh, loving my wife and my kids and my grandkids. I, I'm lucky. Look, I'm blessed. I've got my six grandkids now living in Beechworth. Um, one of my daughters is married to an American. They could be in Philadelphia, but here, they're here. And uh, they've moved here. Wonderful. I'm hoping five years' time um, I'll be here supporting my kids, seeing my grandkids grow up, supporting my business people here, my managers, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm going to be still in love with life, still still dreaming big, still travelling, still seeing the world. Uh, you know, I'm going to be doing more of the same because I've been doing it for quite a few years and I love it. I love it. Like I said, I'm in love with life and, I, and I'm raring to go. You know, we live in the greatest country in the world. Greatest country. I don't know how many countries I was in. Last year I spoke in Ireland, got a standing ovation in Ireland. They felt sorry for me. It was great. <laughs> and uh, I, got a, I spoke in Scotland, in Glasgow. And they were talking about, you know, the, it was at the Bakers Association, Master Bakers. Man, you ever talk, you hear someone from Glasgow talking about Master Bakers. And I got confused. I got up there and I said, oh, I said the wrong word. No, it went, didn't go round and down like a lead balloon. But, uh, you know, it's very hard with the accent there in Glasgow. I've, I've spoke, and like I said, I've spoke overseas this time, uh, six times, you know. 
And people want to hear a story. They like a good story. I'm as thick as a brick and they think if this fella can do it in business, anyone can. So I go along and inspire people. But the thing is, this is, this is home. I love it. I'm at peace with myself. You know, any place is home when you're at peace with yourself. And Beechworth, it accepts the mad, the bad and everything. And I love it. I'm very accepted here. And, you know, I love it here. I love, my wife, she's fifth generation. They come in the 1850s or 60s, yeah. So yeah. The, the community here is very lucky to have you. Oh, the community is a great embracing community. They are, there's big thinkers here, small, th- not, not, let, not too many small-minded people. There's mainly, they embrace, they, they embrace me when I come back 33 years ago and they're still embracing us today and, yeah. So... You look back at the Beechworth Bakery Empire now, how many locations is it? Well, seven now with Yak and Dander, yeah. which we haven't opened, we will be opening. We'll be you know. opening yes, yeah. we'll be happening in the next few weeks. Did yeah. you ever think it would be this big when you first moved here? Oh, not when I first moved here. Uh, I didn't. I, I designed this bakery. I took over the clothes shop next door, and that was the only clothes shop in Beechworth, so that annoyed a few people. Now there's many beautiful clothes shops in Beechworth. You know, when I come here to Beechworth 33 years ago, you know, the lolly shop wasn't there. They were all boarded up, them shops were, they boarded up. The ice cream shop boarded up, people lived in it. The shops over the road, most of them boarded up. The beautiful Emporium, that was a hardware shop, very different. Most of these shops were closed. 33 years ago. So when I come 33 years ago, I built this business that got a very successful, oh boy, oh boy. I made some money then because I was in here working my guts out and my wife was and, and we worked hard. But for me to grow, I had to go. And, and for me to keep my good people, I had to give them a career path. And so to do that, I had to grow. We either grow or we die. Duplicate what we've done in Beechworth. They said it can't be done. It, it, you know, I don't know whether they said God said that's the square meterage, that's where it's all going to happen. You know, so we took on Beechworth in Beechworth Bakery in Echuca and they said, how can you have a Beechworth Bakery in Echuca? Well, they've got a Bendigo Bank in Echuca, you know. We've got a Bendigo Bank in Beechworth. That's our, come, that's our brand, Beechworth Bakery. We went to Echuca and it is, and it is gone. It is true. People built that and they couldn't make it work. They built this massive bakery. They couldn't make it work. The culture was wrong. The people were wrong. And, and, and we have duplicated that. But to do that, by doing that, I've given these people a career path. Young Laura, uh, she's our manager there in Aubrey. She's 24. She's 24. She did a university. She did university, did all the degrees, and she was going to go off. We offered, and she used to work part-time in the bakery. And we said, would you like to be the manager? Wow, would she? And she's loving it. And she is building and growing that business, and she's helping us with the yak and dander. She's sort of coming, taking over that. Marnie, my business partner, he started after school when he was, he reckons, 12, but I think he was 13 or 14. But anyway, his mum and dad lived the shoe shop uh, and across the road, and he did his apprenticeship here. He's now my, he's the CEO. He's the big boss. He, he is my business partner, he runs a show. Holly, who was, she did uni, she worked here as a school kid. She then went off to uni, did HR and everything, was with Myers, the Myers fan. She is 28 or something. She's our general manager. She's our general manager. She goes and works in, you know, these people, uh, it's given them a career path. You know, I think we've got a couple, three or four going to Germany next year. You know, we've taken our staff here, there. We had, we had two of our apprentices up in Sydney a couple of weeks ago doing courses. We're doing this stuff. 
growing has um, it's it's given lots of people uh, lots of opportunities and yeah. helping them pay their car loans and everything else. Or yeah, what, why do people love the Beechworth Bakery brand so much? Do you think? Well, it, we are a friendly environment. That culture that we have here, people come in and they feel it's their second home. It's home to a lot of people. We have people that in here every day in this and in every day in in in, in Hillsville, every day in in Ballarat, every day. They're in there, they're sitting here, they read the paper, you know, uh, it's like that guy sitting over there. He sits here every day, every, it's home, it's second home. And, and, and they feel comfortable, they feel comfortable, they feel wanted, they feel loved, and that is, that is it, you know. I think we're not putting the chairs up on the table at two o'clock, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, so, so, so I think that is it. All right, the product's got to be good, but it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. It's about, it's about, our business is about people. We, we, we're about people. We're in business to serve the customer. And that, that, that's, what, that's what we're here for. But we forget, we get so tied up in spreadsheets, flowcharts, data and statistics, and all the customer wants is, look at me, greet me, talk to me, thank me, sell, thank sell me, me. Sell me a bee sting. The so, bee sting's yeah. Ah, <laughs> bee stings, yeah. We're very famous for our bee stings, uh, yes. Now, you've mentioned uh, in parts of your travels, a lot of it's about guest speaking at different conferences and what have you. Yes. At, at what point did that begin? When did you go from baker to uh, guest speaker? You know, it's funny, people say, how did you get into speaking? You know, when I got remarried, uh, what did I say, 31 years ago, in August, 31 years ago, my wife said, Tom, you get up. I've got to get up and thank the people. I could not get up and say my name, you know, I, oh, hopeless, you know, because I have a learning difficulty, I was sick as a brick. When I went to get my license and in my, my car license many years ago, and you got it with the local police, he used to come in, they're all a bit sus, and, but anyway, they'd come in and get a free loaf of bread every morning, stopped us getting booked and kept the bakery car on. This is years ago when I was doing my apprenticeship, kept it on the road. And anyway, he seen me every morning and he said, when are you getting your license? He said, I said, oh, I'm going, I'm coming, I'm coming next week. And, and I went in. And oh, it was a circus. This is at Tokemore. And, and he, 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 I went to sign my name. He said, fill this form out, and I have hardly any ability. And he said, and he's looking over at me. And anyone who looked at me when I was writing, I would panic and, and I can. He said, can't you, can't you write your name? I said, yes, I can write my name. And I wrote. He said, I'm giving you a bloody license. It was real funny because he, we come up to an intersection, he took his false teeth out and let out a scream and opened the door. I was, I was a mess by the time I got back to the police station. I could talk to him because he would come into the bakery. I knew him, but I had a real fear of people, real fear. So I always lived out the back. I worked out the back. No one knew me. Everyone covered for me. They still do today, still cover me. So at age 32, when my wife left, I was a single parent with two little kids and I had to get out of my comfort zone and take these kids to schools. They were my security blankets. I had to cross the road. I couldn't go into the supermarket without holding the kids' hands because I was terrified. And, uh, but people would talk to me and they because people think you're in business that you know something. And I was sick as a brick. I knew how to bake, but that was about it. You know, I couldn't balance a till. One for them, two for me, one for them, three for me. Taxation didn't like that. And, uh, you know, and then I married my second wife and she didn't like it either, you know, but anyway. When my wife left at age 32, I was homicidal, I was suicidal, and I was very suicidal. Now, if you're ever suicidal, don't ring Lifeline, because you won't get off the bloody phone. 
Lifeline kept me talking and kept me talking and kept, I was very suicidal. I had these two little kids and they kept me talking and they made me promise I'd go down and see them. I'd never heard of Lifeline and I went down there and, and, and they said, anyway, they, I got involved with Lifeline. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my personal life was to ask for help. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my business life was to ask for help. And I had to do both of them at age 32 when my wife left. I didn't know how to wash my clothes. She did that. I started, my mate Keith come out. He said, I'll help you. Well, I, all my kids' clothes turned into dolls' clothes. They all shrunk and everything. But anyway, hopeless. At that. I had to learn to cook sausages. I was hopeless cook. My kids were so happy when I got remarried. They, the Lifeline wanted me to do their Lifeline course for on the phones. I said, I don't want to go on the phone. They said, we don't want you on the phone either. But you've got to learn to have empathy. You've got to learn to talk to people. This counsellor said, Tom, do you talk to your wife? I said, yes, of course I talk to my wife. He said, I know you talk at her. He said, do you talk to her? I didn't know there was a difference. Anyway, I had to learn to get a bit of empathy. I had to learn compromise. I had to learn about, uh, you know, I had to give of myself. I had to, to I was a dictator. I, I, I ran my business on a dictatorship. It's a great way to run a business. Today they have all these rules and regulations and systems and procedures. That's why I'm redundant. They don't want me because, oh, gee, but anyway, it's better. Systems and procedures are much better. Uh, so I went and did this course on self-awareness and basic communication because I didn't know how to communicate. You had to swear and yell at people. And, and in these courses, and who you've seen there, what you've seen here, there, what you, who you've seen there, it was confidential. You weren't to go out and tell, hey, that mug, I've seen that mug, he's going to be on the phone because if you told everyone, they wouldn't ring up because it might be their brother-in-law. So it's all confidential and it was great. And what you see, they weren't, it's just non-judgmental. They didn't judge me that I was sick of, they didn't judge me that I couldn't pronounce words properly. They didn't judge me and it was terrific. And they treated me like, I wasn't dumb, you know, they treated me, they lovely, they treated me nicely, you know, and I wasn't had to be the boss, I could just, I felt comfortable. At the end of the day, I didn't want to leave, I had to go back out in society, it was hard. And you know, you get these policemen pull you over for speeding and you tell them the truth and they want to, oh, anyway, why are you speeding? I'm in hurry to get home. They didn't think that was smart. I did this course, and in this course was Rotarians and Apexians and I don't know where the progress was going then, this is many years ago. And they said, one day, this Apex, a Rotarian, he said, Tom, can you come and talk to Rotary? I said, what am I going to talk about? Had an attempt on my life, I ended up sticking a load of gun in my mouth and very cold and oily. They said, no, 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 what you're doing with that bakery in Beechworth is incredible. You're turning the town around. You're inviting all these people to Beechworth. I was doing black and white ads for more than a decade. People said, you've only been there a bloody year and a half. I said, I don't know how long a decade is. <laughs> I was inviting them. People, people, when I come here, they reckon, you're mad, Tom, this town's dying. They said, you're mad, everyone shops out of town. I said, I'm going to shop, I invite them to shop at Beechworth. They're not going to invite to Beechworth, because they had this stigma out Beechworth, the, the mental home, the, the jail, the institution, the only the mad and the bad. Because if you were coming here, you'd miss it, didn't you, mad auntie or somebody else in the jail. And you know, I said, I'm going to invite them to Beechworth. And that's what we did. And, and so they wanted me to tell this story. And I said, I'm not going to go to Rotary and tell, I'm selfish and self-centred. I'm not 
And I'd learnt this in the course that I was selfish and self-centred and had no self-awareness and no communication skills. The John Boatman, the head of Lifeline at Beach at Albury at the time, he was overhearing this and he said, I said to this guy from Rotary, I said, I'm selfish and self-centred. And John Boatman said, well, it's time you stop being selfish and self-centred, Tom. You're going there to talk at Rotary. And I said, I was terrified, terrified. Anyway, I went and did that talk and, and did a couple other talks and then I was asked to do a talk for the Bacon Association. The hardest group you can ever talk for is bakers because you can't put anything over them, they know. Anyway, it's at the Sovitel and this is 30, 30 years ago. Now I had never been in a five-star hotel and it was bow tie, never worn a bow tie, black suit, I was like a penguin, you know. My wife come with me and that was 30 years ago because my son was just born. I went and I got a standing ovation. They loved it. It was a circus. And that terrified me. We had a little family and other people asked me to talk. I, I wouldn't do it because my wife wouldn't help me. She was too busy. But then I got back into speaking and then I was doing charity talks all over Australia. I did a charity talk in Geraldton, in Penguin, in Esperance, in Charleville, uh, and in Wollongong, wherever. In Canberra, I was doing this talk, charity talk in Canberra. And, and this guy got onto me and he said, Tom, we want you to do some corporate talks. I said, I don't talk corporate. He said, look, think about it. He said, I'll ring you back next week. And I talk about getting out of your company comfort zone, get out of here, we're all saying our comfort zone, I'm saying to me comfort zone, didn't want to do corporate talk, and he rang me back, and he said, and I said, look, I'll do it, and he said, how much do you charge? Oh, I said, don't charge, because I was up there just having a bit of fun, I was having a bit of fun, if I charge, I had to deliver, so I did it for nothing, I did these three talks, and I got this standing ovation, there was other speakers, there was John McGrath there, there was the head of, uh, head of McDonald's Australia, Peter Ritchie, there was Catherine DeWire, an author and a speaker, there was Lisa Curry, Kenny, and oh, there was a few others. Rodney Adler, he got locked up. But there was a few others. Brad Cooper, he got locked up. I got a standing ovation. I was the only one. And this Catherine DeWire come up and said, Tom, you've got to start charging. She said, you're undervaluing yourself and you're undervaluing all the rest of us. Anyway, but I didn't want to get into charging. But anyway, I had to. It was big cost to the baker. I'd be here, there being a paid speaker, and I do a bit of charity stuff still, I've spoken in the Las Vegas, in, in the Bellagio in Las Vegas. I've spoken in India, I've spoken in, in Africa, I've spoken, I've spoken, you know, I can sit Scotland, Ireland, in, in Macau, in Fiji, I've spoken all over the place. Now we can't shut you up, Tom. They can't <laughs> shut me up, can't shut, yeah, they couldn't get me to say a bloody word, now. yeah, lifeline. So blame lifeline, that's how come I got into speaking. It's all about innovation. How do, I, how do we keep our staff, that innovation, you know, with our people? I think uh, asking them their ideas. You know, we're looking for all these innovative ways. These people at the coalface, they've got the innovation. They've got it. So we do send them off and doing courses, but just ask them, ask them, look, we need help. We need your ideas. That's the best way. You want something? Ask for it. How do we keep our staff on board with our our values and that is is repetition, 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 repetition. Keep telling them, keep telling them that we're in business to serve the customer. It's about repetition. It's about we do an in-house newsletter, and what we do with that in-house newsletter, we post it to them, so mum and dad gets it, or their husband or partner, and they get to read it. And they say, oh, I see you doing this, we see you doing that, and we push this values, our values all the time. That consistent uh, message, that consistent message all the time. We, that it is so, so important that we're there to serve the customer. We, you know, if you wouldn't buy it, don't sell it. If you 
wouldn't want your mother to buy it, don't expect any, anyone else's mother to buy it. And, and, that, and that is how we've grown the business, on that consistent message of repetition, repetition, repetition. How do we keep our team working together to reach a shared goal? It's all about teamwork. This business runs on teamwork. I'm redundant. Just because the bloody snow's on the roof, they reckon the fire's gone out. But it's all about teamwork. It's, teamwork works if you want it to work. You know, when we all work together, we all win together. And that is what it's all about. Having that shared goal, again, it's about repetition. This is our goal to serve the customer. That is what we're in business for, to serve the customer. That same goal, if you wouldn't buy it yourself, don't expect anyone. It's that, it's that stick to that same message. Simple, look, business is so simple, lots of us miss it. But we gotta be careful, we're, we're a people business, we are very team focused, because it's about team. None of us are strong as all of us. And I'm the most useless one. I have 255 people work for the Beechworth Bakery, full and part-time, 200, and it's about teamwork. None of us do it alone. Value should every leader, oh, I'm bugger if I know what you're talking about. You know what? It's about value, it's about empathy, it's about integrity, uh, honest and ethical. You've got to be ethical. And we did some, well, I had a CEO in once and he did some dumb ethical things. Bought pies from Buddy Melbourne and, you know, crazy stuff. Everything baked on the premise. We're buying these Buddy pies from Melbourne. That wasn't very ethical. That wasn't very, I think every leader has to be ethical, got to be honest. Especially when you live in regional Australia, they know everything that's going on. So you've got to be honest. I'm in business to make money. What drives me? Look, I'm in the early days, I hated living in poverty. Anyone will tell you that it's spiritual living in poverty, it's bullshit. There's not, nothing spiritual about living in poverty. What motivates me is seeing my people grow. That's helping them grow, because if they grow, I grow. It's about growing. We've got to, we either grow or we die. Grow our sales, grow our people, grow our ideas. It's about growth. Uh, when you're ripe, you're rotten. When you, you know, I've got to keep growing. Got to keep, you know, I'm in, I am in business to make money because money gives me choices. Money gives me options. Without money, you don't have any options. You don't have any choices. You can't run an, a bakery in Timor. You can't run the orphanage. You can't run your church without money. The money's root of all evil. These buggers, they're all running. You've been to the Vatican, there's gold and stuff everywhere, I tell you what. Uh, you try to run the Boy Scouts or the Girl Guides without money. You know, so uh, we've got to be, it's very easy to run an unprofitable business. You've got to be profitable or you're just wasting your time. All these people are relying on, on, on me and on the Beechworth Bakery for their, pay their mortgages, pay their car payments. They're relying on us being profitable. Our staff want to work for a, a successful business. Our people want to work for a successful business with the right values, the right culture. Thanks for listening to The Journey. At BMG Partners, they enable people to achieve their dreams. And if listening to this conversation got you thinking about your journey and whether you're on track, they'd love to hear from you. Head to bmgpartners.com.au. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Thank you.